The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday, our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. Paul Davison and his co-founder Rowan Seth are in a really crazy career moment right now. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, they've been in the game for a while. They've tried some things that have worked and lots that haven't. And then last spring, they launched a social app that took off. It's called Clubhouse. It's an audio social network. Think WhatsApp needs radio. More than a million people have signed up so far. It's not just that it's growing. Clubhouse is growing so fast. I didn't open it up for one day last week, and when I opened it again, 45 people I knew had signed up. Imagine for a second if a million people moved to a piece of land that had never been inhabited before and tried to set up a city. Build the houses, make the laws, develop the schools and parks, decide who gets to be influential and how to protect people. That's what's happening right now over at Clubhouse. So I invited Paul on the show to tell us about what it's like to design a social app as it goes viral and what he hopes Clubhouse can become. Here's Paul. Voice is relatively new in the world of social networking. But if you think about humanity, voice is the oldest medium. We were gathering together with other people and having conversations long before we knew how to write, certainly before we knew how to take photos or create videos, right? It's, it's a very human thing. And, and everyone does it. But the, the hard part is oftentimes just that first part of finding the people with whom you will speak, <laughs> right? That's hard. It's hard to gather. And, and not to compare Clubhouse in any way to, to foundational technologies like this, but I do often think that the, the best communication technologies, the most impactful ones that have ever been created, have effectively taken something that we all love doing and made it dramatically easier to do. They sort of changed physics. Like before the telephone was invented, you could only speak with, to people who were within earshot. That's just how physics worked. And suddenly we got the telephone and I could sit here and talk with people in London and Tokyo and Nairobi. And that completely changes the way things are wired, right? And, and what a shift that has been for humanity. And before we had video, you could only see people who were line of sight. That's just how it worked. Then suddenly we got video and now you can see through walls and through mountains and across continents. And when, it, when we think about conversation, it's pretty hard to get yourself into a meaningful conversation with people that you respect, friends, friends of friends. We do it through dinner parties. We do it through conferences. We do it through Zoom calls when, when we know who we want to have attend and we schedule it in advance. But our goal with Clubhouse is to give everyone in the world instant access to meaningful conversations and meaningful human connections and to allow people to talk for as long as they want and close the app at the end of the session feeling better than they did when they opened it because they had deepened friendships, they've met new people, they've learned. If you can do that, I, I just think it's, I think a lot of good can come out of that. So I want to go back to how you actually got this thing off yeah. the ground, right? Like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so you and Rohan, you and Rowan have this idea I assume that you're sort of testing out a number of ideas. Yep. How do you know when you have something that is maybe is going to work? And then what do you do next? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we've spent enough years doing this stuff that we 
we expect that it usually won't work. <laughs> and, and so the way we approached it is um, we, we said, we know we want to build something together. And then eventually we got to that point where we said, we know we're, we're really interested in audio as a medium. You look at what's happening with AirPods and smart speakers and in-car integrations and even secondary things like text-to-speech technology getting good enough and machine translation getting good enough. Like it, it, it's some, something is really shifting about our ability to, to, to have audio be part of our lives. And, and then we said, okay, well, what does this thing look like? And the way we approached it is we said, let's, let's just stay really lean. So the whole company was just two of us. We actually um, first prototyped a number of different concepts in this space. We had an app called Talk Show, which was almost more like a live podcast. It was a similar concept, but it was more formal. And, and it was about two people getting into a dialogue and, and publishing that out to other people. And it had some social elements. You can see when people listen, they could they could send in questions, but it felt a lot like a podcast. And, and we said, huh, well, there's some interesting things here, but it doesn't feel different enough. Uh, we want to either be much more on the formal end or much more on the casual end. And the, and the casual end was something that had always fascinated us. And so we, we shifted things around and we ended up launching the first version of Clubhouse in March of last year. It's worth taking a minute here to explain how the app works and why anyone might want to go on it. The way Clubhouse works today, for anyone who hasn't used it, is you open the app and you see what we call rooms in your home feed. And, and rooms are just groups of people who are talking about a certain topic. And any room you see, you can dip in, you can dip out. Um, you, when you enter the room, you'll be in the audience, but you can raise your hand if you want to chime in. We were on this app 12, 14 hours a day talking with people as they were using it. And we had alerts set up every time a new person would would, would join, I would jump in. And I, you know, if I was on a phone call with Rohan, I'd say, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Someone joined. And I'd jump in like Clippy from Microsoft and say, Hey, I'm Paul. How's it going? How'd you hear about Clubhouse? And, and uh, you know, half the time they would just leave because they didn't know who I was. But the other half of the time they would stay and the conversation would form. And we were just learning so much. We were pushing out updates every day. Uh, anytime someone told us verbally about a bug they had experienced, we would fix it and ship a new update 10 minutes later and thank them in the release notes. And, and for a long time, we really, really just tried to stay heads down, focused on the product and focused on the community. The company was two of us for, for quite a few months. And what happened was people kept coming back and, and they were spending a lot of time in there and they were closing the app, feeling better than they, they did when they opened it, which was really nice. And, and we started to uh, give invites to people. So they would invite a few friends and they would invite a few friends. We've just been trying to scale it in a very measured way because we're building Clubhouse for everyone. We, we are so excited to, to, to have it be wide open and have the whole world be in there. But we just want to make sure that each time a new wave of, uh, of users joins, the experience for everyone who's already on the app gets better, not worse, right? And so we've been growing it out since then. We added support for multiple rooms. We added the distinction between speakers and audience members. And really, it's been this, this linear path where we've been growing it and building the community out since then. So, Paul, I've covered the growth of social software since, not to be a total cliche, but, you know, I met Mark Zuckerberg in 2005. I wrote uh -huh. like a big, uh -huh. at that point, I wrote a big story on uh, social networking and the headline of the magazine was the MySpace generation. So I've been getting it wrong since 2005 as well. <laughs> um, but early on, uh, companies would just try to grow and add users as fast as possible and figure out what to do later. And here we are 15 years later, and 
you don't get to apologize after the fact when you mess up in the same way anymore because social software has matured a bit. And we've we've learned certain lessons about how the world works and how software works. You guys have done a better job than most platforms I've ever seen at seeding your platform very early with a lot of voices of people of color. How did you do that? From the earliest days of Clubhouse, we felt that it was going to be better if it was a welcoming and diverse space. I mean, the best conversations are on Clubhouse are when you find yourself in a room that have people that have a very different background, a very different set of lived experiences that live in other places that, are, that, that have seen things differently than you've seen them. And you come together for these important and meaningful conversations and you lead change, right? It's that, that, that's the best part about Clubhouse, in my opinion, is the diversity of the user community. And all credit for that goes to, goes to the user community. In, in the early days, we said, it's really important to us that this is a welcoming, diverse space. Please help us with that. So the system has grown through invites. We don't determine who joins Clubhouse, the users do. Just to stop you a second, I'm guessing the first five invitations you sent were people you knew. They were your own social network, right? That's right. That's right. It, it was my wife. It was you know family members, friends who are willing to try our products. Tell me about the point early on where you actively prioritized that and reached out to someone you didn't know or someone who you thought might be a gateway to people who thought differently than you or acted differently t- than you. Well, remember, we're, we were on this app talking with people as they were using it. So we were constantly saying to people, hey, we're so glad that, that you're enjoying this. And they ask, like, how can we help? And we say, please help us build a, a, a welcoming and diverse community. Please invite uh, more women. Please invite more underrepresented minorities. Please invite people from other parts of the country. P- please invite people that you think bring a different perspective. And, and I can't even tell you how, how helpful that was and how helpful they were in allowing us to do that, right? People would write to us proactively and, and offer to do that and, and, and to just help and help and help. And it's just been wonderful. Like, so, so the way the whole service grows right now is through invites. And I think in the early days of Clubhouse, there was this misperception that we were trying to create some ultra exclusive digital Soho house. That, that's never been our intention. We've always, from the earliest days, wanted to build this for everyone. We just wanted to, to make sure that the experience scales as we grow. And so we built in a lot of things to try and make it a welcoming environment for everyone, because that's step one. When you invite someone, your name is on their profile. So you feel really responsible for having brought them into the user community. When you join, we have these things called welcome rooms where, where when you sign up, we ping your friend who invited you and any other friends that you have on the service. And we say, hey, Jesse's signing up right now. Are you free to come welcome her and walk her in? And if they are, they, they get put into this private audio room. And when you get to the end of onboarding, uh, you'll see something that says, hey, like Rich and six of your friends came to walk you in and came to welcome you, tap to join them. And you go into the room and everyone, everyone, all these familiar faces say, Jesse, great to see you. Oh, welcome to Clubhouse. And they tell you how it works and, and like what the norms are and, and what the advanced features are. And they'll ping in a few friends who are on the app to come welcome you. The last thing that I'd say we do is we have something called a newbie badge, which is a little party hat emoji that appears on your profile photo for the first seven days that you're there to let people know that you're new and that they should welcome you and invite you up. And and so really the community has been built on that idea that, that we want Clubhouse to be a diverse and welcoming space. And today we have we have all of these, these growing communities uh, where, where people there are people who really love talking about crypto and people who like talking about philosophy and people who like reading poetry. 
and there's politics and sports and all these other verticals that are forming, but it's all organic through the user community. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Paul tells us how Clubhouse aims to tackle trolls. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. My guest today is Clubhouse CEO and co-founder Paul Davison. We're talking about the staggering effect of Clubhouse on everything, including content moderation. Moderation is something that we've thought about from the earliest days. I think you have to do this for any social network. And live group audio has its own attributes. It's a different thing, right? I mean, the fact that it's live, you never know what's going to be said next. There are challenges with voice and, and you've got to manage all of that. So the way that we think about moderation is that job is never going to be done. You just have to care deeply about it, prioritize it from the early days, and constantly invest in it. And, and to us, we kind of break it down into three buckets. We think about the people that we have internally to come at this with expertise and, and also fresh perspectives who, who can really spend all of their time thinking about this and, and working on this, the policies that you have. And that means everything from our community guidelines, our terms of service, our privacy policies that are visible to the users in our internal playbooks and policies for how to deal with incidents if they ever arise. And, and the third thing is really product. And that means being really thoughtful about product features that you have that people can use to ensure that they have a good experience on the app and having internal tools that can detect if abuse ever takes place and make sure that you're swiftly taking action on it. One thing that I love that you do is every Sunday, you just talk to whoever wants to show up and hear from you and yeah. you answer their questions. And I was sitting through one of these sessions on Sundays and the issue of blocking came up yep. and I, you know, it is true that all of this is brand new. And so you have to make all the rules <laughs> in real time as it's happening. And the question that came up on Sunday was, okay, well, if I'm moderating a room and yep. I block you, Paul, yep. you don't get to know Paul that you've been blocked. And That's why right. is that? I later came away thinking, well, gosh, actually what you're just trying to do is model the way that life works because that's how my life works, right? Like if I decide, Paul, that I'm totally sick of you, I'm not going to tell you or that you've offended me. Maybe maybe I'll take it up with you. But but if I want to block you in real life, yep. I just stop calling you. Maybe you'll notice in two weeks. Maybe you'll notice in a month. Maybe you won't notice at all. 
<laughs> and I would say you want to look for opportunities where you could do even better than you could do in real life. So I think some of the best social products allow you to do things that you would like to do in real life, but that aren't even possible to do in real life. So I talked about you know, telephone and video before. Those are kind of basic examples. But I think you also see it in things like Tinder, where you can date without getting rejected because of the double blind mechanic that they have. Or Amazon, you can shop and have thousands of reviews and photos and can't do that in a physical store. And so we think about that in Clubhouse also. Like if you're speaking at a conference, say you're on a panel, someone comes up to the microphone, you have no idea who they are or what they're going to say, right? Um, but in Clubhouse, we have some information that we can equip you with to decide to help you decide who you might want to call on. So we could say, oh, this person who has their hand raised is actually followed by 17 people that you follow. We have this concept of shared block lists. So we could say, heads up, you know, a lot of people who you follow have blocked this person. So so you can use that information when you're deciding whether to call someone up or or whether to follow them. And, and so that's what we kind of try and think about is where can you take real world dynamics? And, and mirror them? And where can you actually do better than that? Because you have all of the intelligence of the network and the graph. Well, when you are a moderator, even when you make a good choice about letting somebody speak, it's usually easy to recognize things that are just inappropriate, wrong, hateful, misinformation. It is harder to deal with things that kind of hit upon the edges of what I like to think about as like truthiness. And yet you're working in real time. So you as the moderator need to somehow manage those things. Um, you know, it came up last night. I My um, my producer was sitting through your um, newbie session. Um, she uh -huh. sat through the whole entire thing. Um, I sat through some of it. She, she sat through all of it. But, you know, she mentioned there was like, there was a woman who went on a tangent about, I think it was like the, the fear of COVID being deadlier than COVID itself. And you're listening and you're like, oh, that doesn't really sound right. Like, how do you manage those situations? Yeah, so the question that we ask is how do we empower every moderator and every club founder to handle those situations the way that they see fit? And what you're talking about when it comes to, to moderation tools, the first principle that we always think about is creator first. We always say creator first, make sure the creator is always in control. And when we say creator, we mean creator with a lowercase c. It's really just the person who starts the room. Anyone can be a creator. Anyone can start a room. But when you start the room, you should be in control. We never want someone to be able to speak at you without your permission. We never want anyone to be able to troll you or dunk on you or make you feel bad. People like to run conversations in different ways. We often say it's sort of like going to a conference where you have all sorts of different rooms and different experiences that you can choose from. You can go see the keynote speaker in the auditorium, and she's probably a really high-profile person, and there are thousands of people listening, and it's not particularly interactive, but it's a great session, and a lot of people go to the keynote. Other people go to the smaller breakout rooms that might be more interactive or about more niche topics, and that's great too. And then you have the hallways of the conventions that are lined with thousands of people charging their laptops and introducing their colleagues to each other, and that's where some of the most special moments happen. Or you have a music festival, you have the main stage and the side stages, and people spread out on picnic blankets, meeting friends of friends. That's kind of what Clubhouse is like, and we embrace that. We think the world is not a monoculture, and Clubhouse should not be one either. As long as they don't violate any of our community guidelines that apply across the service, we have very, very, you know, we're very serious about site-wide community guidelines. Obviously, no form of, of hate speech or, or bullying or, or racism or abuse is ever allowed. Um, but as long as they don't violate those, the, those clubhouse-wide rules, they should be able to create the experience that they want to create. And our job is to give them all of the tools and the training that they need to host those conversations. Because 
moderating a conversation, it's a different skill. It's not like posting text or posting a photo. You're bringing people together. You're managing personalities. To some people, that comes really naturally. They're just great hosts naturally. To most people, it's a learned skill. So we just want to give them the, the tools, the training, the knowledge to get really great at that if that's what they want to do. How about the that hate speech or harassment piece? I, I know I know of people who have already left Clubhouse because they complain that they have seen things on Clubhouse that have been hurtful or hateful or they have felt targeted. What do you do to make sure that people have the controls that they need and that that stuff gets dealt with in real time? I think when you're building a service that's targeting a broad user base, you have to recognize there are bad actors in the world and, and that you have to you have to build tools that uh, allow people to deal with that. So it goes back to having the right people internally to deal with that stuff, the right policies that you can stand by and clearly articulate to people, and the right product features to help people deal with those things. You know, in 2021, no social network can be vibrant and thriving without the cohort of people who um, who benefit from it financially and otherwise and create miraculous and amazing things for it. You know, Instagram would be kind of lame without those people who are like super influencers. LinkedIn would be a ghost town without the the thinky people on it, right? But um, you're right at the beginning of your relationship with this cohort of people. Sometimes it can actually be annoying as a user because you get into these rooms and people are just like, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me (laughs) on the bet that like sometime in the future that's going to matter a lot. How do you get that relationship right? If you think about how voice can be used, it is a very broad medium in the same way that text is a broad medium or, or video is a broad medium. And, and I think of it as a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have broadcast media where, where people are, are looking to create experiences for as many people as they can, looking to build out their audience and their reach. And, and that's great. They should be able to do that. On the other end of the spectrum, you have people that, that want to come together for intimate conversations with one or two people, three or four people. And, and that's great too. They should be able to do that. And I'd say the sweet spot with clubhouses is, is kind of in that center where, where you have rooms filled with 50 people, 100 people talking about something that they are deeply passionate about. They're, they're making all sorts of connections with other people for, for, you know, for career purposes and, and, and they're developing deep friendships with people. They're learning. And, and we want to accommodate that whole spectrum. And part of that spectrum is the people in that first bucket who, who really are, uh, you know, want to be professional content creators. And what we want to do is build a business that is based off of supporting those creative efforts. Because there's so many people in the world who are smart, who are funny, who are creative, who are great at bringing people together. And we want to build in tools that allow them to get paid directly by listeners who are happy to pay them for the experiences that they are creating. So that might be subscriptions, it might be paid events, uh, it might be tipping, but that's really what we're focused on when it comes to building out our business so that we only make money if they make money. And I think that message um, resonates with creators a lot. And and I think it's also nice with users too. We don't wanna be in the business of collecting people's data. We wanna be in the business of empowering creators to to build these amazing experiences and for other people to come in and, and experience them. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's well understood that if you are able to get to a social platform that is on the rise early and make your name early, that there are certain rewards for that. And so I get the question from Hello Monday listeners, what should I be doing on Clubhouse? What can I, what can I do to make sure that I'm setting myself up? If I've figured out how to be here early, 
um, for success. I'm sure you get that a lot. Yeah. The nice thing about the way Clubhouse is structured is it just happens organically. Because of the group structure, there are all of these edges for discovery. So all you really need to do to, to build an audience is to participate and talk and host conversations and, and ask good questions, and uh, you will build an audience that way. At its best, social software offers us new tools for building communities. When the web was new, we used to call them online communities. We used to differentiate between IRL relationships and people we knew from the web, as if the internet were this other universe that we visited. Of course, now we understand that social software tools, they strengthen our relationship with each other or they degrade those relationships, but the relationships themselves are real, with real people. And people like Paul have a unique role to play in shaping our very communities. They have this opportunity to learn from the mistakes of those who've come before them. We get excited about the idea of building a network that, that's more human, right? That's not based on like likes and follows. That's not, that's not based on uh, posturing or, or attacking people or anything like that. It's, it's just a place that, the, that's designed to, to bring people together for conversations and connections where you can spend a lot of time on this thing but close the app at the end of the experience feeling better than you did when you opened it. And, and I'm just incredibly grateful that we get to spend our time building this thing. I mentioned how much Rohan and I love this, but, but it's so true. Like every day, you know, every time we, we go to town hall, we tell people clubhouse is intended to be a blank canvas filled with amazing people. And it's nothing without the community and it's everything with the community. And our only job is, is, is to build a space where they feel comfortable to coming together. And, Anyone who's listening, um, I, I would I would love to welcome them onto Clubhouse and, and get them on soon. So hopefully we'll be opening it up really quickly and <laughs> and can just can, can just keep doing what we're doing. You know what it reminds me of so much as a as a user is that feeling. I was not a person who went to parties in college. Occasionally I would be invited and I would like stumble into these house parties off campus and I'd feel like I landed the ticket. And I'd wander from room to room and every room would have a different thing going on, a different social code. And maybe I'd be in it for like five to seven minutes and I'd be trying to figure out what was going on. And, and finally somewhere I'd find my people and maybe I'd sit down and spend the rest of the night there. And that's kind of what Clubhouse feels like to me. Yeah. You know what else I compare it to sometimes is if you go to a really good dinner or a really good professional event, you know, every, every few months I'll end up going to one of these things and I'll see all these people who, who I haven't seen in years. I'll get to meet people who I maybe have heard of but had never met before. I'll learn about these new companies. I'll, I'll, I'll learn all these new ideas. And I'll leave at the end of the night feeling really energized. And it's such a shame that those moments are so few and far between. And so the idea is, can you, can you recreate that same experience, that same feeling, but allow anyone in the world, regardless of their access or their network or where they live or how much money they have, if you could allow everyone in the world to be in the room and have that experience with interesting people from around the world, from their couch any night of the week. I just think that's amazing. So last question for you, Paul. You have been listening to people talk to each other all year. Have you learned anything new about people? <sighs> I've learned a lot. I learn a lot every day. So one thing that I've learned is the power of bringing people with really different perspectives together. And, you know, or people who have said, I live in this small town 
in, in Ohio or, or some other part of the country, some other part of the world. And like, this has given me access to, to these communities in the world of music or, or tech or, or finance or, or whatever industry I'm interested in. I think this, this ability to, to bring people in the room and to expose them to perspectives that, that they never even heard before. It, it's just a really exciting thing for me. So so I think I think that's one thing that we've really come to appreciate is how rare of a thing that is in the real world and how powerful it can be for people if you can give them that experience. That was Clubhouse co-founder and CEO Paul Davison. This week on Office Hours, we're going to go deep on that question of how we use social software to build intentional community. It's really what Clubhouse is trying to do and what so many of the websites and services that we use, including LinkedIn, really try to empower us to be able to do. So how does it really work and how does it work for you? As usual, we're going to convene Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern for office hours. If you want the link, follow me on LinkedIn at Jesse Hempel or email us at hellomonday at linkedin.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, we'll be there this week, too. So come find us there right after our office hours. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Sarah Storm. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Uriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Michaela Greer and Victoria Taylor architect our intentional community one great idea at a time. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You also heard music from Poddington Bear. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Paul, were you one of those 2X listeners on podcasts? So I go between 1.5X and 3X, depending on the speed of the narration. I basically do it as fast as I can while still having it be a good experience. And it really sure. depends on the narration, I think. <laughs>